come on. It's been a great conference. Really do appreciate the opportunity to even minister uh, in this body of believers. And thank God for all God's doing uh, in this conference, beloved. And so, praise God. I had a Red Bull yesterday, and it kicked in at 12 midnight. Hopefully we make sense today. You have your Bibles. I want you to turn to Luke 10, 17 through 20. Luke 10, 17 through 20. And so this past September 11th, this nation remembered after 12 years, the day the terrorists attacked the United States where nearly 3,000 victims died during what's been known as 9-11. I remember being in, uh, and my wife being in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and there we are. I'm preaching for Les Snodgrass at the time, and we're at a coffee shop, and I'm looking at this screen, and I can't believe what's taking place. I didn't even, I thought it looked surreal. I'm looking at this, and so what took place was in New York, two hijacked commercial airlines slammed into the World Trade Center's Twin Towers, Another one plane crashed into the Pentagon near Washington. The fourth plunged into a field near Shanksville, Pennsylvania. As Todd Beamer rallied all the folks who were there, as many as he could, to storm the terrorists, and it's heard the words, let's roll. It was a few days after that, on September the 14th, 2001, when President George W. Bush visited the Ground Zero site. In his uh, autobiography entitled Decision Points, been reading this book, George Bush writes these words. He writes, We had been walking for a few minutes down into a pit where the rescue workers were digging through the rubble for survivors. If the rest of the site was a nightmare, this was pure hell. Men began to gather around the president. Here now is a president. He's walking around. Here are these men. They're covered in ashes. Uh, and uh, they're the first responders. They're firefighters. They're workers. They're the police officers. Uh, and so here are these men. Uh, and they begin to gather as he begins to walk around and look at ground zero. There's ash all over the place. Here are bodies walking around. These men covered with this ash. And they're there saying, God bless you, sir. Thank you, Mr. President. We're proud of you, Mr. President. George Bush says, I told them, uh, they had it backwards, uh, I was proud of them. Andy Card, the chief of staff, as he's walking around, and he's talking to President Bush, and he says, Mr. President, maybe, you know what, you may want to say something. So through an unscripted sort of uh, 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 talk, the president decided, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do this. He sees a, a pile of rubble, of metal rubble, if you will, gets upon this, what it was was a, uh, an old fire truck that was crushed. He gets on this fire truck, uh, he's there, they give him a bullhorn, uh, and so uh, here is now George Bush with a bullhorn addressing firefighters, police officers, and emergency workers. President Bush said these words, I want you all to know that America today is on bended knees in prayer for the people whose lives were lost here, for the workers who worked here, for the families who mourn. This nation stands with the good people of New York City and New Jersey and Connecticut as we mourn the loss of thousands of our citizens. At this point, uh, somebody says, we can't hear you. George Bush points the bullhorn over there, and then he says these words, well, I can hear you. 
The crowd erupts and claps, uh, and the rest of the world hears you. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. And chants of USA began uh, thundering through the crowd, uh, and this became known uh, as the rallying point uh, and the defining moment uh, of the Bush presidency as true leadership, uh, listen, beloved, emerges in the midst of crisis. I thought about this. I thought about listening to the lives uh, of people that we try to minister to, to bring the gospel to, uh, and there's rubble, uh, a, a man to the left and to the right of them. There's rubble through sin and bad decisions in their lives. And there's rubble because the real terrorist, Satan, has come to demolish. And like a terrorist, plunged into their homes, plunged into their houses, into their lives. And I thought, you know what, these are difficult times and therefore a clear sound message of the word of God needs to be preached boldly, proclaimed in our cities, yes, via bullhorn. C.T. Studd once said these words, Some wish to live within the sound of a chapel bell. I wish to run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. And Austin, Texas is three miles from 6th Street. This morning we're going to look at the strategy, beloved, that Jesus has laid out for the disciples because, listen, a rescue needs to take place in our cities this morning. My aim this morning, man, in preaching the sermon uh, is to rally the troops, if you will, to rally you back towards your city, uh, amen, uh, 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 in the last days that we are facing. Uh, and I want to preach a sermon I've entitled, Last Days Evangelism. Because how many understand, listen, we are living in the last days. Jesus Christ is coming back very, very soon. And the question is, what are we going to do about it? need to evangelize. Last day's evangelism out of Acts, or rather Luke 10, 17 through 20. Are you with me, church? The Bible says, And the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Father, thank you, Lord God, Father, that you're doing this morning. God, I pray for a clear sound message, Lord. I pray for an anointing. I pray, God, amen, for, God, your help this morning. God, in your people, direct them today. And all of God's people said, amen. Last day's evangelism. I was reading... Um, story of, of Dale Moody, and he was attending a convention in uh, Indianapolis in the 1870s. So he's going to go to a convention, basically. And so here's Dale Moody. He's walking around this place. Uh, he sees a crowd of people in the streets and all that. He decides, you know what? Uh, I'm going to call my friend Ira Sankey. Uh, Ira was a, a song service leader, a singer. So he, told, he tells Ira Sankey, uh, uh, meet me in this corner at 6 o'clock. And uh, uh, Ira Sankey gets there, uh, he gets a wooden box, he says, now get on top of that wooden box, uh, and Ira Sankey uh, is like, okay, uh, we'll start singing. All right, amazing grace, I don't know, but <laughs> all of a sudden the crowd starts to gather, as they begin to gather, uh, amen, uh, Dio Moody then begins to preach to them, amen. 
gather a crowd and preach to them. Can you say amen? And here's Dio Moody, uh, as he began to gather, he says, you know what, uh, come with me. So he takes a crowd of these folks, uh, they're hungry to hear the gospel. He takes them <clears throat> uh, to this convention auditorium, fills this place, begins to preach the gospel uh, uh, to these people. Uh, folks are getting saved, uh, and around that time, uh, a little bit after that, the delegates of the convention start to arrive. All these men are looking with frowns, what's taking place here? They're looking around, and uh, Moody stopped preaching at some point. And he says, now we must close as the brethren of the convention wish to come and discuss a topic, how to reach the masses. Because what's needed is action versus talk. Can you say amen? See, in our text this morning, Jesus has laid out the plan of evangelism. In other words, how do you reach sinners with the gospel? Amen. And this is hands-on evangelism. Jesus tells 70 men to go to these locations, two by two. <clears throat> go to 35 locations, if you will, in Galilee. And he sends these men out to the field, if you will. It is in Luke 10. The Bible says uh, in, in uh, verse 1, And after these things the Lord appointed 70 others also, sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. And you would think, okay, here are these men. They're going to this place. Uh, here's the field. The Bible says that the word is the seed. So think about it from farming terms. Uh, if you've got a plot of soil, uh, before you can plant the seed, it's got to be cultivated. So in other words, uh, they were going to go with the preaching to cultivate their hearts uh, that the seed can go in their lives. So then Jesus comes, uh, amen, uh, as he begins uh, amen, to perform these miracles, he understands something's taking place. Thank God. That's why we preach the gospel, so we can have, uh, listen, the God's word come out, uh, and thank God, and at the very end, listen, we pull an altar call, because listen, uh, God has been cultivating our hearts uh, throughout all the sermons. Can you say amen? This takes place then, and these men are a great part of this. The Bible says in verse 2, he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers uh, into his harvest Here's this harvest. Here's this mission, beloved, in Luke 10, 9. This is emphasized. Heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. This mission was emphasized earlier through the 12 disciples in Matthew 10, 7 through 8, when Jesus told them, uh, Matthew 10, 7 through 8, and as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, uh, Freely you have received, freely give. Now I was looking at this. You know what's the action part? The first thing uh, Jesus says is, you know what? Go preach. And here's the action part on our part. Just listen. It doesn't matter uh, <clears throat> if you're a pastor, uh, amen, and this is the pulpit, uh, and you preach in a church, or listen, uh, you're at school. Uh, listen, wherever you're at, that's your pulpit. At the workplace, yes, work, uh, but there's going to be opportunities. Maybe at lunchtime, uh, listen, uh, as you're eating your sandwich, uh, there's a group of folks there. You can begin to talk to them about Jesus. Amen. And so he says, preach. 
You know what this word literally means? It means to drop down as water or let your words flow. The people listening after you preach ought to come out soaked. This gives new meaning to the, to the, uh, the spitting section right here. <laughs> Pastor Richard Ruby said these words, if you haven't had preaching, then you haven't had church. And in this case, Jesus tells the disciples to go out from the four walls of the building and preach. Amen. In Austin, the uh, slogan for the city is keeping Austin weird. And I want to tell you this morning, uh, it certainly lives up to its name. <laughs> Along with some men in our church, Jeremiah Wacker uh, has rallied some other men. Uh, we've gone to, to almost every Tuesday uh, street preaching. One particular time, uh, we went to 6th Street, uh, and so there we are, man. We're coming out with a bullhorn, uh, and as we're there, uh, we get to the corner, uh, and this guy's typing something, uh, uh, sitting down, making little poems, uh, and selling them. We're like, okay. <laughs> People, you know, are partying. They're, gonna, you know, they're gonna go to, ready to go to the bars and everything. Uh, there they are in the corner, uh, and so we get the bullhorn, uh, and the guy looks at me. He's like, what are you guys going to do? I'm like, Wait, sir, we're gonna bring the gospel, amen. And so uh, he's like, Oh no. And we get the, the bullhorn, Hallelujah, my friend. I want to tell you, we start preaching right there in the corner. As soon as that took place, I want to tell you, man, uh, people started coming out from the bars. There's one guy like, Shut up, shut up, uh, stop doing that, stop, stop doing this. Uh, and I told the guys, Don't stop, keep on preaching. He goes inside to this bar, uh, brings out his buddy with a saxophone, uh, and starts playing saxophone right next to us. <laughs> so this guy's playing the sax, you know, he's playing a song, uh, and I'm there listening, uh, and I'm going, hallelujah, praise Jesus. Uh, I'm singing with he. He looks at me disgusted, like, you know what, man? God always has a final word, buddy. <laughs> we have people yelling at us, I love Satan, flipping us off. Uh, I mean, uh, Pastor Mitchell says you're going to have either a revival, a riot, or both. Uh, we're having both. <laughs> at that point, the cops come, uh, and then that's when you start saying, hallelujah, and stop drinking, and stop, you know. <laughs> So here is what's taking place, beloved. This man said, you know what? Stop doing that. Jesus would never do that. I'm tired of those guys, man. Of course he did that. These religious people always tell us, he, Jesus would never do that. I say, no, you're wrong. Read your Bible. <clears throat> because in Mark 1, 38 to 39, he said to them, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for this is what I came for. This is what I came for. Jesus was a street preacher. Can you say amen? John the Baptist preached in Matthew 3, 2, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, here we are, beloved, uh, we're told to preach and to preach repentance. In other words, uh, you know what? Uh, yes, God loves you, but you know what? Uh, listen, uh, yes, stop fornicating. Uh, listen, because you know what? You're gonna go, you'll go to hell if you continue to do that. We got to tell them, listen, uh, amen, uh, uh, listen, there, there's tragedy uh, if you continue in your life uh, of sin. Not to spiritually cuss people out, uh, but we need to bring a clear gospel. Can you say amen? 
Repent, turn from your evil ways, turn, uh, amen, from sin. Because listen, the Bible says the kingdom of God was drawing near. Or in other words, God's rule uh, was about to overthrow the power of the devil. Uh, and this was the entry point uh, for evangelism in the New Testament. Uh, is God with a bullhorn saying, I can hear you uh, and the world will hear all of us soon. Charles Finney. In the book entitled Experience and Revival. How many folks want revival in your churches? Let me see a sign of hands. This is how you get it. Charles Finney. Revival is renewed conviction of sin and repentance, followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. It is giving up one's will to God in deep humility. That's how we get revival. So here Jesus gives the disciples his high calling uh, to preach, to heal, to cast out demons, beloved, uh, raise the dead. Uh, you know what? That's pretty good. Here's the romance of the gospel, if you will. What a privilege. Can you say amen? But this must be applied. We uh, recently had a, 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 the Austin Healing Crusade along with the, the Potter's, House in, in, uh, Potter's House in North Austin. It's a great, great venue. A lot of folks came out to that and uh, there was recorded at that healing crusade, uh, Pastor Scott Lamb preached uh, for our crusade, 35 recorded testimonies of healing. Amen. One particular young man uh, that actually goes to our church, uh, he's from Iraq, and uh, he was a victim of a suicide bomber. They're playing, uh, you know, volleyball or some kind of maybe soccer or something uh, in the streets when a suicide bomber simply comes up, uh, blows up his car, 50 people are injured, many are dead. This man is one of them, and he's had 49 surgeries on his face. So now he's in the healing crusade, and he's, he's disfigured. Uh, he can't hear, and we're praying uh, uh, for him. Uh, and uh, I tell you what, man, he, he uh, uh, prayed a prayer of forgiveness for the terrorists that did that to him. And when that took place, uh, you know what? Uh, uh, Pastor Lamb's like, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? At some point, you know what? He could hear. He say, amen. And here's this man, beloved. I mean, he's coming to our church. Glory to God. Because we need to apply it. Let's look secondly at the reality of the mission field or the arena we evangelize. Because listen, revival will not come without a fight. There's a boxer, his name was Norman Kidd McCoy. He was a welterweight <clears throat> back in 1896. And he was a champion. He was fighting a contender who had the misfortune of being deaf. <laughs> and so here's McCoy. <clears throat> He's uh, boxing this guy. He discovers his disability uh, and so he understands this guy can't hear. And so they're boxing. It's now the third round. Uh, and this guy's pretty good. This guy McCoy's like, man, this guy's too good. And so he tried something. He's there, uh, and he goes, uh, you can't hear him, right? Hey, the bell, the bell already rang, the bell. Huh? The bell. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you, sir. As soon as he turns around, McCoy hits him in the back. Boom! Knocks him out. I guess he could do that back then. And so he dropped this guy, and McCoy immediately knocked him out. Uh, I, I heard this. And I, I'm thinking of Fiesta skits. I don't know. 
But here's a couple of morals of the story. One, don't turn your back on the enemy. Two, McCoy is a good picture of the devil because in the ring of life, he doesn't fight fair. There is something called a sucker punch. And so here's Luke 10, 17, the 70 return with joy or good reports. The mission seems to have been successful. The 70 reported, uh, listen, even the demons uh, are fleeing at the name of Jesus. And here are these uh, disciples, man, they're excited, uh, and rightly so. Uh, I don't know if they're high-fiving or chest bumping each other. I don't know what they're doing. But simply they're excited. They're overwhelmed uh, with this joy. Jesus brings them back to reality and says, wait a minute, gentlemen, the fight's not over yet. Don't get so cocky on your achievements. In verse 18, Jesus says, because I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Hmm. Now, depending on air conditions, a typical lightning bolt moves at 224,000 miles per hour. One, that's fast, and two, uh, that causes uh, uh, much in the way of impact. And Jesus is telling them, listen, you better understand your adversary because, listen, he has impacted planet Earth. How many know this morning that, listen, uh, uh, the devil is not in hell, uh, but he lives right on planet Earth? 2 Corinthians 4, 4, uh, the New Living Translation says, Satan, who is a god of this world, has blinded uh, the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. Uh, they don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, uh, who is the exact likeness of God. So here's the reality of the Simon Beloved, uh, that in the process, uh, listen, uh, of doing God's will, uh, a good thing, uh, we will run into the demonic uh, and see that men are blinded by the devil uh, through a sucker punch. You'll see people like, man, why are you following that? That's a bad decision. Why'd you do that for? Because they're blinded. The God of this world has blinded them. They cannot see. And that word God is a little g. And they're blind to their sin. And here's this reality. In Acts 13, 4, Paul and Barnabas are sent out by the Holy Spirit. And as he preached the word of God, they're here on Paphos Island uh, uh, witnessing to the pro-council uh, a man named Sergius Pallius. Uh, and the Bible says uh, that Elamus the sorcerer withstood them. Here's this pro-council. He wants to hear the word of God. They've been preaching to him. He, he's open, uh, and right there, right at that time, uh, you know what? A witch steps in. <clears throat> Elamus, another guy named Bar-Jesus. They step in there. They begin to confuse. Uh, uh, <clears throat> hear this man, Sergius Pallius. They confuse what, uh, what uh, uh, they're saying. Now, I don't care if it's Elamus or Aunt Irma with a rosary. Uh, listen. <clears throat> They want to try to confuse sometimes new converts. They want to try to confuse uh, all this taking place. I remember one time we were, we were street preaching uh, here in San Antonio, uh, and uh, we uh, were there at a, at a bus stop preaching, uh, and this guy, man, like was almost there. Uh, he's ready to pray. Uh, he's ready, you know what, to repent. Uh, he's heard the word of God. He's right there. The cultivation is taking place. The seed's planted. It's right there, man. Uh, now, let's, you know, let's pray. Right when we did that, his girlfriend walks by there, uh, the devil with a blue dress on, uh, walks by there, <clears throat> looks at us and says, come on, 
Are you going to listen to those stupid guys? <laughs> and, and he's looking at us. <clears throat> he's looking at her. Finally, he says, you know what? You know what? <clears throat> I'm going to go with my girlfriend. <clears throat> and he takes off. <clears throat> he didn't pray. He was the prey, P-R-E-Y. In Acts 16, 16, Pastor Glenn Clug preached a whole sermon on this. But again, here's Paul on his way to prayer one morning, and it says a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination meets Paul, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. So here is uh, Paul, he's preaching, he's going to prayer, and uh, here's this woman constantly, uh, here are these men, they're the servants of the Most High God, they proclaim the way of salvation. Paul's annoyed. Time goes on, here are these men, they're the servants of the Most High God. And finally he says, you know what, he was tired of this girl. Tired of all that's taking place, uh, tired of that demon inside this girl. And he says, you know what, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Uh, and he came out that very hour. Amen. Because here's the devil, uh, he wants to strangle the word of God with his lies and frustrate God's workers. This word, spirit of divination, uh, the word means a spirit of a python. In other words, it will strangle you. I was witnessing to a man at an apartment complex from Mexico. Pray with him. And this guy says, can I tell you a story, Pastor? I'm like, yeah. I was sitting, uh, you know, I was in Mexico working in a field. Uh, and there we are sitting down. Uh, and I felt something around my neck. Uh, and I looked, and uh, it was a boa constrictor. It was trying to suffocate this guy. I told him, that's a great picture of the devil, man. He wants to choke you. Uh, that's why, you know what, God spared you. That's why you're here right now, so you can repent and give your life to Jesus. And you got saved, amen. The Bible says, listen to this, in the last days, the, day, the days before Jesus Christ returns, uh, this assault will increase. In 2 Timothy 3.1, this know also that in the last days, uh, perilous times shall come. Or in other words, these are harsh, difficult times will come. There's going to be an assault and even an assault on the people of God. Second Peter 3, 3-4. through 4. Know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come and they're mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? You Christians talk about Jesus coming back. Well, I don't see that. And it's a mocking spirit that wants to strangle the word of God, strangle the worker. Are you with me, church? I remember being in Merced, California. There I am uh, in the building praying. Uh, this woman goes in there, uh, gets some flyers, uh, tears them up, uh, looks at me, uh, and walks out the door. <laughs> back to you. Here's the reality, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying this because, listen, you know what? These are the folks we're called to reach, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> These are the folks we're called to reach. Listen to this. David Kuplian in The Marketing of Evil writes, In 50 years, we've gone from a nation unified by traditional Judeo-Christian values to one in which those same values are increasingly scorned, rejected, and demonized. The plain truth is, uh, within the space of our lifetime, much of what Americans 
once almost universally abhorred, has been packaged, perfumed, gift-wrapped, and sold to us uh, as though it had great value. By skillfully playing on our deeply felt national values of fairness, generosity, and tolerance, uh, these marketers have persuaded us to embrace as enlightened and noble that which all previous generations since America's founding regarded as grossly self-destructive, in a word, evil. There's a marketing uh, taking place that, listen, uh, people are buying this uh, hook, line, and sinker. They're buying the lies of the devil. Gene LaValle and I, he just preached for us in Austin. And there we go to a coffee shop. We're sitting down and just kind of writing out sermons, talking about a sermon. Right behind him, uh, <laughs> there's a lesbian couple. Uh, they just kiss each other. That's weird. And there's another uh, uh, two guys over here, man. Uh, they're, they're boyfriends. Uh, and I'm like, okay. Is this like a gay coffee place? I don't know, man, you know. <laughs> like, gee, move over, man. You know? <laughs> when you walk off, you know, walk off, you know, look tough, you know. But I was waiting for Senior D.I. Valley to come out. <laughs> oh, man. And this is the issue, isn't it? Because we live in a world that, listen, is in your face with their sin. It's in your face, man. We had Superman come uh, uh, to, uh, to church one day. <laughs> It was actually a teen Bible study. This guy is wearing all this tight gear uh, with, with red boots on, high heels, uh, coming <clears throat> toward the front of our church. And I'm like, can I help you? He, he goes, no. <laughs> Truth be known, listen, we're extremely limited to do anything under our own power. How many know, listen, we need some things this morning? George W. Bush, he's on the plane. Well, on Air Force One, Bush writes, I caught enough fleeting glimpses of the coverage to understand the horror of what the American people were watching. Stranded people were jumping to their deaths from the top floors of the World Trade Center towers. Others hung out the windows, hoping to be uh, rescued. I felt their agony and despair. I had the most powerful job in the world, yet I felt powerless to help them. How many of you ever felt that way? And the question this morning really is, how do we evangelize these folks in these last days? What do we need in order to combat this confrontation of hell and to help people? Three things this morning, and I'll stop, church. Number one, we need the Holy Ghost's power in order to counter Satan's power. You say amen. Look at verse 19 again. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And when Jesus speaks of the authority uh, over serpents and scorpions, uh, this is not literal, all right? <clears throat> we don't bring snakes into the church. <laughs> I hate snakes. Reading a story about this uh, uh, pastor in somewhere in Arkansas or something, uh, 
and uh, it was a whacked out Pentecostal church, uh, and this guy brings a snake there, uh, and it bites him, and he dies. <laughs> the tragedy of that was that his dad was a senior pastor, he did the same thing, and he died. I would think, you know what, he should have thought, you know what, this doesn't work, man. <laughs> I think we got this part wrong. And so here are simply symbols of spiritual enemies and demonic power over which, listen, Jesus has given his followers dominion. Can you say amen? Because listen, in 2 Thessalonians 2.9, the Bible says, the coming of the lawless one will be accompanied by the power of Satan. He will use every kind of power, including miraculous signs and lying wonders. There will be wonders, but there will be lying wonders. In other words, it's a counterfeit. Because listen, uh, here is the power uh, or, uh, uh, or the lies of Satan uh, through the Antichrist, uh, which means anti-truth. Uh, in other words, uh, here's Satan, uh, the father of lies, uh, simply, you know what, uh, bringing these sort of things. We need power for power. D.I. Moody once said these words, uh, there's not a better evangelist in the world than the Holy Spirit. It is in Acts 1, 7 through 8. Jesus leaves his disciples some critical instructions. Listen to these words, beloved. And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. In other words, uh, you know what? Uh, people ask, when's Jesus coming back? Uh, listen, uh, we don't know, but listen, uh, it's soon. Bruce Callahan says, What time is it? Sooner than you think. <laughs> But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. In other words, uh, it's very simple. No power, no impact. There's an old saying that says, listen, man, don't bring a knife to the gunfight. It's powerful power. We need the Holy Ghost power, amen. Uh, we need the Holy Spirit to listen to help us. Uh, can you say amen, beloved? It's God's power uh, versus the enemy's power. It is Moses versus Pharaoh. It demonstrates, listen, God's power over witchcraft. In Exodus 7, 11 through 12, uh, here's Moses and Aaron. They go to Pharaoh uh, as God commanded them uh, and cast down Aaron's rod, uh, and it became a serpent. Uh, but the Bible says, but Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Uh, so the magicians of Egypt, uh, they also did in a like manner with their enchantments. Uh, for every man threw down his rod, and they became serpents. But uh, Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Reality is, listen, God has the greater power. And we need God's power, listen, uh, amen, in our lives uh, to live, amen, uh, as a Christian. I remember coming to the Zazamorta building, and uh, I came from a Baptist background. <laughs> I come in there, man, the first time, uh, and uh, yeah, we had the rallies in Zazamora. And there I am, and... Uh, uh, Preacher calls uh, uh, for folks to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, there I go, man, to the front. I don't know anything. I just know that, you know what, uh, uh, I want to live for God. You know, I, I, I don't want to go back to my old sin. And so I just needed the Holy Spirit to, amen. Uh, and listen, that day, listen, I got filled uh, with the Holy Spirit. 
And from that point, listen, I wanted to live for God. From that point, uh, I said, you know what? I don't want to sin. I don't want to go to fraternity parties, uh, you know. I don't want to do all these crazy things that's causing me, listen, not to live for God. And I needed God's power in my life, amen. I mean, no, listen, God has greater power. Jesus, amen, uh, uh, versus Pontius Pilate demonstrates, listen, uh, his power over human rule and pride. John 19, 10 through 11, uh, do you uh, not say, uh, uh, Pilate says, do you not know, rather, that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. In other words, listen, buddy, you have no power. My father has greater power. Can you say amen? It's power for power. It's God's power versus the devil's power. But God has the greater power. Second thing we need, like, okay, we understand we need the power, the Holy Spirit power. But the power is not necessarily the issue. The issue is uh, the second point, what is needed in last day's evangelism? We need the proper character to handle that power. How many believe, listen, God wants to use our lives, uh, amen, that we can pray for people and they can get healed? You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, is what the Bible says. You can pray for people, amen, uh, and see them get saved. And so here are these men, again, they've been rejoicing over this. And in verse 20, Jesus says in the first part of verse 20, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. Or in other words, uh, listen, uh, uh, don't uh, uh, rejoice in this. Uh, in other words, we can lift up the gifts over the giver. You say amen. The real issue is character. R.A. Torrey once said these words, we think of the Holy Spirit as merely a power or an influence, our constant thought will be, how can I get more of the Holy Spirit? But if we think of him in the biblical way as a divine person, our thoughts will rather be, how can the Holy Spirit have more of me? That's the reality. Can you say amen? John the Baptist, beloved, uh, amen, uh, had it correct when he preached in John 3.30. He must increase, uh, but I must decrease. We need more of him, uh, amen, uh, and less of us. We need more of God's character, uh, more of Jesus' character in our lives, uh, and less of us. He must, he must increase. Uh, Roland Perez must decrease. Remember, we are, we're countering the enemy who's the very opposite spirit of God. Lucifer fell due to pride. And listen, uh, uh, if we're not careful, we can too. Isaiah 14, 12, the devil's like, I will ascend, uh, I will exalt, uh, I will sit, uh, I will ascend, uh, I will be, uh, I, I, I. It's the I generation. Do you know now the, now the new iPhone, apparently uh, uh, you can now put your fingerprint on that thing and to get access uh, for a passcode, uh, now it's, the application is, uh, you know what, you need to put your fingerprint on this thing. 
And the understanding is we don't know exactly uh, what the ramifications are, uh, how far that will extend uh, into sort of uh, identity theft. Uh, they haven't figured out all the bugs yet. Listen, I don't want to do that to any phone, amen. It's a sort of thing. And here is Lucifer, he fell due to pride, beloved. We need a different attitude, uh, amen, in Philippians 2, 6 through 7. Have this attitude or character in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who although ex he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God uh, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Can you say amen? Here's an appeal. Listen, uh, 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 Paul is telling the Philippians uh, to serve uh, Jesus with lowliness in mind or lowliness of mind. It was an appeal for an unselfish character that imitates Jesus. This word character is very interesting. The old coins, uh, the Greeks would use an imprint, uh, and that was called a character. They would get some metal uh, and make a print uh, of the face of the emperor on that coin. Uh, and so that imprint uh, came from the character. Or this uh, little machine, this little thing that they use uh, to make that. The character was that. And I thought about that. You know what? We need God to do that to our hearts. Can you say amen? We need, amen, his character. Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Pastor Mitchell once said, if you want to do what I do, you must be what I am. Let me tell you, Pastor Mitchell is very gracious and a very humble man. Because listen, he's been fashioned, uh, amen, with this character of Jesus. Finally, the last thing, what is needed in last day's evangelism? We must always maintain the proper perspective of our salvation. That our souls making it to heaven is still the greatest miracle. You say amen. How many can say this morning, thank God that you're saved, amen. amen. Here we are, man. You've taken a week of vacation to come to conference to hear preaching. Well, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have done that, you know, before we were saved for nothing. <laughs> are you kidding me? I mean, stop Padre Island or something. But here we are, man, hearing the word of God. And the very fact, listen, that we're saved and not going to hell, that's a miracle of God. This is what Jesus tells, amen, uh, uh, these men. Uh, verse 20 but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. The, the message uh, translation says, is not what you do for God, but what God does for you. That's the agenda for rejoicing. Matthew Henry, the famous Bible scholar, was once accosted by thieves and robbed of all his money. And he wrote these words in his diary. Let me... Be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my money, they did not take my life. Third, although they took my all, it was not much. And fourthly, because it was I who was robbed, not I who robbed. It's a scary thought this morning. Where would we be without Jesus? President Bush. His autobiography of decision points. It's chronicles decisions he's made during the terrorist attacks, 9-11, at 
Afghanistan, Iraqi wars, Katrina. And so here's the decisions. One man writes, the decisions that reached his desk impacted people around the world and defined the times in which we live in. But in 1985, a defining moment or decision point in his Christian faith came on a one-on-one talk, one-on-one conversation with the great evangelist Billy Graham. December of 1985, while his father was vice president, Bush Sr. invited Graham to visit the family in their summer home in Maine. And up until this point in his life, uh, uh, Bush explained, uh, you know, religion to me was more of a tradition than a spiritual experience. He was George Bush. Uh, he was a drinker. He would uh, get drunk uh, and then go running uh, kind of to, you know, uh, burn off the alcohol. And so he's talking to Billy Graham uh, and everything. He has some questions. Uh, the next morning, Billy Graham walks with uh, George Bush uh, uh, around the family's property. Bush writes these words, in his gentle, loving way, Billy began to deepen my shallow understanding of faith. Graham said, there's nothing wrong with using the Bible as a guide to self-improvement, he said. Jesus' life provides a powerful example for our own, but self-improvement is not really the point of the Bible. The center of Christianity is not the self, uh, but it is living for Jesus Christ. They began to explain, uh, listen, uh, we're all sinners, uh, and we can't earn God's uh, amen, uh, uh, love through our good deeds. But a clear path, he writes, uh, to salvation has been made uh, through the blood uh, of Jesus Christ and by the grace of our God. And the way to find that grace is to embrace Jesus uh, as a risen Lord, the Son of God, so powerful and loving that he gave his only son to conquer death and defeat sin. George Bush hears his words. They say, he says these words, he planted a seed in my heart that would one day grow and mature. I began to read the Bible more. I prayed. And at some point he made a decision, listen, amen, for Jesus Christ. Listen, that only helped him, but helped a nation through dangerous times. And thank God that a man of God was there to bring a clear, sound message of the word of God to his generation. We're called to do that because these are the last days. Evangelism, can you say amen? Praise God. Pastor Wade Schultz, hallelujah.